Indiana Runner Podcast, Season 2, Episode 30. As the cross-country season concludes, Scott Litzkin and I talk about all of the postseason meets recently and do a quick preview of the track season, plus get into a miscellaneous minute about the NBA. All right, hope you enjoy it. Welcome to my underground lair. We've been infiltrated by the flu, but not COVID. Thanks to, here's a shout out for you. Thanks to Riverview Health for diagnosing my son correctly. <laughs> the sponsor of your invitational in cross country. Scott Lidskin, Colin Altova. We are going to go uh, through the, the more recent postseason meets. Taylor and I did uh, a quick recap of Nike Midwest. That was about the only one at, at that point. Since then, we've had East Bay, Midwest, We've had the Garmin running lane meet in Alabama, which built itself as a national championship and then lived up to the hype. And yesterday was East Bay Nationals, formerly Foot Locker. I'll probably accidentally call it Foot Locker some of the times. East Bay is not paying me a dime, though, so I, I think it'll be fine. Uh, at East Bay Midwest, we'll just go through this really, really quickly because we've since had the national meet as well. Sophia Kennedy was third, Corinna James was eighth, and Gretchen Farley was ninth. So three Indiana girls making it to the national championship at uh, in San Diego and two from the same school. Pretty incredible, right? Yeah, it's an unreal that that happened. And then, and I, maybe it's too early to talk about this, but that led me to think about Newberry Park and how incredible that story is for their boys cross country program. So maybe we'll, we'll get into that. When we talk about the running lane championships, but two girls from two teammates to make it to a national championship meet is a stunning feat. And this is from a team that didn't make it out of the region. I mean, that shows how competitive <laughs> yeah. our, our exact area of the state where you and I live. They and we could open up a huge, finalists and they didn't huge make it can out. of worms there in talking about the, the small school, you know, versus big school. Like, should we have class system in Indiana? You know, that, that would be your, <laughs> that would be your really good, uh, really good argument for having class system. It could be, or I could use that to make an argument against the class system, but I won't. On the boys' side, Isaiah Sturry from Angola was second. Cole Matisson, shout out, from Carmel was eight. And I thought that was kind of as to be expected. You know, Corinna James was six at the state meet and then eight at, at Foot Locker Midwest. Uh, a little surprised maybe that, that Lily Critch didn't run Foot Locker. We've known that ahead of time. People on the message board were saying she's not going to do Foot Locker, but is that surprising to you? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, each coach and athlete, hopefully they have their plan in place. And it sounded like, you know, Coach Kinghorn and, and Cridge had a plan in place and it was to not run Foot Locker or East Bay or whatever we're calling it. And I mean, I, you can't argue with her results at any point during the course of the season. So I, I, I would not, uh, it, it would have been awesome to see what she could have done, but, but uh, I don't fault them in any way. It's a, it really is a once in a lifetime or for some of these kids twice or thrice in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and I wonder if maybe next year she'll take a look at it, especially if, if Nike comes back, the Nike national meet, um, and she's got the opportunity between Nike or Foot Locker or both because some Indiana people ran, uh, well, actually just one ran, ran in both. Foot Locker and East Bay and uh, Garmin. Um, on the on the boys' side, I, I said as to be expected. It was heartbreaking. Krishna Thirunavukarasu of Burbuff missed it. He, they take top 10. Yeah. Now, it used to be for years and years and years, Foot Locker took eight. Yep. And then they listed two alternates, which never made sense because the alternates never go. Right. And um, and then they went, Foot Locker went to 10. And then East Bay came back and said, we're taking the top eight. And then switched and said, we are taking the top 10. And then Krishna was 11th. And I, I mean, it was, I, I think it was less than a second. I think it was tenths of yeah. a second from him, from him making it there. Yeah. I mean, it, it would have been great. He's had, you know, kind of a pretty, pretty storybook, you know, historically great career in Indiana. And that would have been the cherry on top of the, of the cake there for his senior season. Um, but uh, I hope it doesn't take anything away from, from what he's done this year. He, 
he led his squad to some amazing feats, obviously. Man, I looked, I didn't look into it, but I wonder if six, I, I actually wonder, is five Indiana runners at the national, the Foot Locker East Bay National Championship? I wonder if that's, that's a record. You know what? I can look that up. Yeah. Well, actually, that was a post oh, on, on our message board um, this morning. I, I know I didn't. Somebody went through and did all the results, but I think that poster did boys only. So I don't know if he's entered the girls as oh, well. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, I remember a few years. I Either way, a few it's years amazing. It's awesome. Far, but yeah. five is is got to be up there. I'm trying to think when one of the years Ben made it. I might have been five that year. There were three Indiana boys. Yeah. So I, I well, think it's five, five and then, I mean, obviously Cridge would have had to have made it, but you know, you got to feel pretty confident that she would have made it. Right. Right. But decided not to. And I want, I wonder if next year they'll, they'll take a look at that. On the other, the two kind of national level meets, the Garmin running lane championship. This was in Huntsville, Alabama on a purpose built cross-country course it's made specifically for cross-country and we'll, we'll get into the the logistics of it here uh, i have a very very long post on the message board where i kind of went through this and i thought i was in a, a pretty unique position because one i've been around i've done indiana runner and, and things like that for a, for a long long time and two i'm the coach of one of the kids most affected by all of this so uh, on the girls' side, Lily Cridge was second. She ran 16 minutes and 22 seconds for this cross-country race. Uh, and, and the girl that beat her ran 16-0-something, right? Yep. And she turned around and won last week, or last yesterday, I guess, on uh, at, at East Bay National Championship in, in San Diego at Balboa Park. Columbus North girls were 12th in the team standings. I'm taking the team standings from they combine all the results of all of the races. You had to be invited to the big, big, big race. Um, they were 12th. They averaged 18.05 for this cross-country course. On the boys' side, Cole Matisson of Carmel, shout out. Ninth, he ran 14.23 on this cross-country course. The Burbuff boys were 15th in the combined results. HSE boys were 25th, Columbus North boys were 31st, and the Carmel boys, not with all of the uh, top athletes, a little shorthanded, 39th. Um, I did go through and do a little bit of math. Rebuff had one of their typical scores not run very well, and so they scored their usual sixth place runner. If their fifth runner, their usual fifth runner, stays with that, uh, that pack that all finished within four or five seconds of each other, they're actually more like seventh. If they get that usual performance out of him. So, and that, that seems about right to me. If they're really firing their fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, right. Best team in the country this year. Well, the preseason rankings, I think, yeah, they were in the top five or six. And, um, you know, while they, they, they had a strange road to the state meet, they, they got there. I mean, that's, that's about what they raced at the state meet about what you would have figured they would have run when the, you know, at the beginning of the season. So, so for them to be a top 10 team in the country makes a lot of sense, I think. So let's let's get into the elephant in the room in the podcast studio at our undisclosed location, our two yes. undisclosed locations. Um, 77 boys ran under 15 minutes. And 15 minutes is like, I, I tried to look this up and I couldn't quite find it. Maybe somebody can, can figure out a way to, to collect this data. But what's typical across the entire country for for boys, the amount of boys under 15 minutes on a five on 5,000 meter courses? It's it's obviously all less than 77, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, I go. I don't know if you're asking me my take here on on the on all these guys breaking. Well, here 15. I'll give you a couple more. All right, you go. I'll, give me some more. I'll, yeah, I'll give you more. some more moments to think about it. Yeah. I think on the girls' side, there was something like 29 girls under 17 minutes. And I, a girls under 17 minutes is even more unheard of than boys under 15 minutes. And under 16 minutes is like a pretty big barrier. Not like it used to be, right, where teams only had one boy that ran under 16 minutes. But if a, if a team's got 
five boys that have run under 16 minutes. That's a really, really good team. That's a state yes. contender, right? For Buff boys last year, they finished third in the state meet and they had 16 boys under 16. They had five boys under 16 minutes. Yeah. And uh, they were third and they came back and they were one of the better teams in the country because all five of those boys came back. Typically, Carmel boys will have between four and seven boys under 60 minutes on state contending teams. Do you want to guess how many boys at this meet ran under 16 minutes? Under 16 minutes? 77 I mean, boys ran under 15. Do you want to guess how many? It's got to be double 16? that. I mean, it's got to be double that. I'd say 200. 468. <laughs> yeah. So what do we make of the times? I got a, I, I have a number of thoughts on that. I, I first, my, my first thought is, is for everybody that has been out of shape about it to just kind of let it go. Um, it, it's, uh, you know, sometimes the, the, the world, the, the, the running gods, the running world just kind of creates a, 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 an unbelievable statistic on a given day. And, that's what happened. I mean, it was good weather, apparently. I, I guess it was a little humid, but overall, you know, not too bad. In fact, I, I don't, well, I don't get into that. Um, the course obviously manicured perfectly. The, the best runners in the country, as fit as could be going there, probably a couple weeks off of their state meets, which maybe give everybody a chance to run, to, you know, to heal up or, you know, kind of rest up a little bit without losing fitness. Um, you know, highly competitive coaches, highly competitive athletes. The times are what they were. I mean, whether it was a 5K or not, I, I, I don't think we should worry about that. I think obviously everybody got to compare on that day where they finished place-wise. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm from Illinois. And I think there was a podcast you and I had earlier where, you know, Illinois, you never know the length of a course in Illinois. You know, one day you could run a course that's three miles and the next day you could run a 2.77 course and it doesn't, you know, it, it's really makes it more about competition and, and where you place. And I think that's what cross country is all about. So I don't think everybody should get all bent out of shape and just enjoy the fact that, that these kids are running at, at such a high level. I, that, that, was, that was my first thought. Now so the in, times are a little, little ridiculous, but they'll go ahead. So and in, in Illinois, this is what I've always thought too. Super I probably thought it because you told me super inconsistent distances. It needs oh, to yeah. be about three miles. Where in Indiana, it needs to be it needs to be five thousand meters, right? Yeah, in Illinois, I don't know why, but at least in my experience, so many of the courses, and I don't know if it's true here or not. I really don't in Indiana, but so many of the courses in Illinois are, are just around your your school campus grounds, and you know some schools that they, you know, it's just the, the way you got to have logistics and a starting line and and the finish line, it's just really hard to get at exactly three. So, so, you know, you'd show up at one school's campus and, you know, they tell you, you know, hey, this is 2.87, this is 2.94, this is 3.04, whatever it was. That's how you roll. You just, whatever, you didn't even care about it. it was, did, I want to go win. Did your school keep records? Did you have the school record when you graduated? Well, yeah, it's interesting. What, what most coaches that I knew of in Illinois did was they kept, records based on the course that you ran so it wasn't so much a school record as you know you have you hold the course record at niles west you hold you know I'm, i i hold our home course record for our school uh, where i graduated from you still have it, it wasn't so much a, a top 10 list of the fastest times in your school's history as it is per course would you still have your school record yeah on your yeah. home course do they still run that course Three point. It was three point oh miles. Yeah, yeah. Same course. And you I still have 14, it. What, what year? Fifty eight, I believe. What year did you graduate? Ninety two. Ninety two. And you still have it. Well, in, and I, I don't mean to, lead I don't the wanna, podcast with this. I don't want to turn the conversation too much to uh, too like focused on me. But there are two things that stood out about those times. Bring it back to the Alabama race, the, the Garmin race. One is um, looking at, at Cole, uh, your your guy Matisson. Who ran fourteen twenty three? Um, how what, is he? Is he sixteen years old? Seventeen? Uh, he turned he's seventeen in yeah. January. So I ran. I didn't run fourteen twenty three until my junior year of college, and for five, I was I was state runner up in Illinois my senior year in cross country, 
Uh, Cole has not been a runner-up yet in, in cross-country, I, I don't think. He is not, uh, not in cross-country. Yeah, so for, for him to have run a time that I ran on the track, that he ran on a cross-country course that I didn't run until I was like 22, 21, 22 years old. I know cross-country's come a long way, but, um, but I thought that was pretty awesome. And it probably shows just how fast, two things, how fast that course is and how much cross-country has changed since 1992 or mid-1990s. And then secondly, I, this one's maybe a little funnier, I think. So I've been charting, I, I still run now, and I've been kind of watching Lily Cridge. And I feel like I, Lily Cridge and I would be a very good matchup one-on-one for a 5K race right now. <laughs> with, with, with you're, in that, you're in that kind of shape? Not in 1622, <laughs> no. But the time she ran at state, semi-state, high 16s, you know, kind of times, I think it would be pretty good battle. When I saw that 1622 at, 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 at running lane, I kind of mentally, I kind of gave up. I was like, there's no way I could do that right now. <laughs> that's, that's so funny that you say that because I have a student that's on the, I teach at the high school, I teach at Carmel where I coach. And by coach the boys, but obviously my class isn't all boys, right? I have right. girls. And so one of the girls in my class, she had been like getting better over mm-hmm. the course. And so I would just say to her like, hey, you know, what'd you run this weekend? And then a couple of times I actually would go out before practice on my prep period. And there were a couple of times where I tried to run. We have a thousand meter loop. So I was like, uh-huh. I'm going to do, I'm going to try to run her time. Yeah, yeah. And I could never get there. And then one, she got a lot better throughout the year. So she started at like 26 or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't hardly ever run. Um, I certainly don't do any training. And, you know, by the time the last kid goes to run, if I'm going to run and want to be back before the first kid comes back, I've got like 15 minutes to run every day. Right. And uh, yeah, you could watch her times get better. And then the very last meet was that like Noblesville, you were involved in this last year. Yeah. Yeah. The Noblesville, whatever. It was, that, yeah. it was still not great weather. I mean, it was like 75 degrees, but yeah. you know, it's a fast course and it hadn't, sure. it had rained too, but it's just a fast course at the end of the year. And the kids that are around at that point are the kids that are still pretty into it. And uh, she ran like 22 flat or whatever. And I was just like, no, I'm at UN. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm yeah. not even going to bother going out to do that. I know how you feel. That was so funny. That's what um, I was like. But you're in that, you're, you are in that kind of shape. So, so Cridge, who ran like 1730 at the state meet in horrid conditions, you think you would have been around that? Yeah, I think so. I, this summer, was, I ran that like Indy Mo- Road Mile, Indianapolis Monumental Mile. I ran 449. I figure that's about what she would have, she was pretty close to that at the state meet and track, you know, give or take a couple seconds. And, I mean, she so, was close to that in the first half of the 3,200. Yeah, that's like. probably true. That's probably true. But I think, you know, it, it was just funny to watch that. And, and as an old man kind of say, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could get her. So over the last two years, Nike has not held their national championship, which is, gosh, what year did that start? You guys made it. Your girls made it right at Westfield the very, very first year, maybe. We didn't a- make it the first year, I think. I think it's been around since like maybe 04 or 03, 04, 05. Well, we made it in 05 and 06 and 07. And we didn't, we were not in the first year. So I'd say it was 04 maybe. And what year did they start the qualification rounds of it rather than just team selection? The last year that we made it 07 was the first time we actually had to qualify with a race. And it's exploded since then. I mean, it's yes. become huge. And even this year, the regional was still huge. Yeah. Even without. And so Sandberg, I think, won. And Burbuff boys were second. Mm-hmm. And uh, Columbus North girls were maybe third. But probably, I mean, head of the Midwest, they're going to take at least one wild card. Almost always, right? I would have, I would think so. Uh, wild card is not the right word. Well, it's... it's no, I think it is. Phrase. At, at large, it's the at official large. term. Um, this running lane meat has stepped up in the absence of nike and now they put a sponsor on it it was garmin ironically for a meat that's been uh criticized for not being the right distance it's sponsored by the main gps company um do you might might this become an annual national championship what do you think not if nike comes back okay i'm with you on that no i mean first of all just throw in the the free trip to Nike. I mean, I don't, I, I think everybody kind of pay their way to go down to Alabama unless I, you know, unless I miss something there. Um, right. But uh, no, I think Nike has built up a, a prestige that, that just having two years without it would not 
that prestige would not disappear. Um, you know, we went a few times. That is, that is, uh, that is a special, special meet and, and experience for the kids. You talked about that with, with Foot Locker, East Bay, and I, I think Nike's pretty darn similar to that. Maybe I've never been to Foot Locker, but I have to think it's pretty similar in terms of the experience for the kids. And, and it would be very difficult for Garmin to match that. Um, just, just the, you know, the reputation of Nike and getting to experience all that, you know, with the Nike campus and the history of Nike. If Nike comes back, I, I think this meet will probably stay on as a, as a, as a cool postseason meet, but um, I think it'd have a hard time being the national championship. I mean, Nike has the purse strings, right? That, yeah. that essentially nobody else has. And Foot Locker, East Bay, like they have this, but they're not, they're paying for 80 kids to come. Yeah, totally different. And they're not, they're not giving you, you might get a discount for a parent or a coach if you want to, I didn't go to San Diego this year. Um, I, you know, I just, that's where I am right. I couldn't travel across the country right now. Um, but I have been in the past to, to San Diego for it. And you're right. It's, it's a, it's a once for most kids, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity um it's the but, olympics for high school kids yeah the way I, it, I always looked at it the difference then is is nike you can make it as a team yeah and you know different kids can can make it um that aren't the very very top very very best kids in the country and and it's also having the qualification rounds even if they made you pay your own way and some schools their state association has made yeah. them uh, compensate nike pay them back for it but th that's never stopped the team from going right that's never stopped individuals for going but the fact that you have to qualify and not just anybody could have gone to running lane right and so like columbus north boys and girls were super into it and the girls ran three different teams um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially, no, like, Hey, awesome. we're going to keep, we're going to keep going. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a lot worse things for kids to be doing in, in November and December than continuing awesome. to train as distance runners and then go down to Alabama and, and run a cross country race. Um, but there's a certain feeling at Nike that you had to earn your way there. And it had to be based on your performance on one day. Right. I mean, there's the yeah. at-large bids that some teams get in there, but that's still, you, you can't finish eighth at Nike and get an at-large bid based on what happened, you know, earlier throughout the year. It was, it was guaranteed elite period at Nike. And it's certainly running lane or Garmin became an elite meet, but you run and run the risk of getting some non-elite kids there. Right. Well, that, but they can still break 16 minutes. Yeah. Um, I, and I feel for, you know, there were, there were two Indiana teams this year, three Indiana teams this year, potentially that, uh, you know, it got canceled the last two years when Columbus North was at its, at its, I don't want to say at its height because Columbus North had teams that made it. Oh, nine, 2010. They had a team that would have made it in Oh three if they had it back then, I mean, they missed it by one year, I think. Yeah. And, um, but they're kind of contemporary height, right? Just over the last decade, Columbus North, the last two years, they would have made it last year for sure. They probably had a pretty good chance to make it this year in both years. It was canceled. And then Burbuff, who could have a chance to make it next year. I mean, they've got three stars back. Yeah. Uh, now they'll need to fill in the cracks, you know, essentially help, help clean up, um, a little bit better, whether that's a lot of improvement from existing runners, runners already on the roster, or uh, potentially getting in, you know, some some incoming freshmen or whatever. It's it's really hard for a freshman to make a difference at the state meet, and it's even harder for a freshman to make a difference for a Nike contending team on the boys' yes. side. All the way, I I can only think of one in the last ever. That, that that did it and you know and he eventually was like a four-time all-american so yeah it's, um, it's rare it's it's really tough but yeah I, I feel for those teams that on the years when you were at your at your height it, it got canceled I and mean, what do you got oh yeah it's, it's i mean COVID. i guess yeah i totally agree with you on that and, and hopefully like the, some of those kids like you said will have a shot next year because nike will come back on board right right 
and, and individually, it could be, you know, two of those boys from Burbuff, I think by next year, they could be healthier and, and better. And maybe they've got a shot to make it individually to Nike, mm-hmm. or yeah. perhaps, you know, if they get three boys in the top 25 at Nike Midwest, maybe it doesn't matter how far back you are at, at, at four and five. Correct. Especially at five, if we go by your theory of the number four runner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, East Bay Nationals. That was yesterday. Formerly Foot Locker, and before that, it was Kinney. Do you know what Kinney is? I do not. It was a shoe store. Just, just like a general shoe store. Yeah, I don't. Even, if I remember chain. correctly. I don't think it was just like athletic shoes. I think it was just like a shoe store. So kind of like Foot Locker, essentially. Well, Foot Locker is pretty much athletic shoes, I think. But oh, like, you're saying it was like it was like Kinney sold everything. I think I could be wrong on that. It was like I, Fred Tenyas. Yeah, I think you, Wait, get your lo- that- you get your loafers and your running shoes. Do you know is Fred, is Fred Tenius Fort Wayne only? I don't even know what that is. Okay, so it must be it must be Fort Wayne only. All right, well, shout out to all the Fort Wayne listeners who <laughs> had to I don't know take a drink or whatever because I heard Fred Tenius. Uh, East Bay Nationals girls went first. Sophia Kennedy seventh in seventeen thirty four. I'd imagine that's her best time. I, now I didn't look at what her time was at, at because at the uh, East Bay Midwest it was ideal conditions, uh, so I didn't see what her time was there, but. It, she did not run that fast during the regular season or during the tournament. I do not believe uh, her teammate Gretchen Farley was 20th in 1759. So 10% of the top 20 girls in the country, according to East Bay national championship, go to park Tudor, a school of about 300 kids in, in Northern Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah. Corinna James of Lowell 23rd in 1812. Yep. On the boys' side, Cole Matisson of Carmel, shout out, fifth, 1522. Isaiah Sturry, eighth. He goes to Angola, 1529. What a great showing by Indiana at that meet. Yeah, and, you know, it, it flipped the, the conversation around. We were talking about with the Carmen the, uh, meet. How awesome is it? And that's why let's just hope that, like, our state meet or the Nike Regional is at Laverne, you know, forever. Because we it don't know be. what – what, what the running lane, you know, we we're, we're discussing, you know, what does that mean? What does that mean? The history at Foot Locker on that course. I mean, you know, you can, you can trace that 1522 or 1734 time for, for Cole. And so you can trace that back historically, to how significant those times are. We know how legit that course is even uh, in Kenosha, the Foot Locker Midwest regional. Again, the history there is, you know, stunning. So, you know, I, that's, if you if you looked at the few kids that ran Foot Locker Nationals and uh, Garmin, you know that that can give you a better glance at just how I don't want to use the word ridiculous, just how fast the, the Garmin race was. But how awesome is it that we you know we can have these? Hopefully, like I said, Laverne forever for our state meet. Let's 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 be able to compare, you know, kids 50, 70 years from now to to the Footsums and the Cole Matisse's of the world. That that'd be so cool. Well, and, and Laverne, like the running lane meet in this regard, is a purpose-built course. Yeah. It's not a park where we found space to do a cross-country course, which is also fine, right? Balboa Park is that way. Yes. Uh, Blue River State Park. I mean, it was existing land that they, now they might have yep. moved some dirt around or whatever, but uh, the, the Laverne meet and, and the running lane place were built specifically to host a cross country course. And that's a very rare and valuable thing. Yes. Uh, some other notes I had for this Isaiah Sturry. I mean, I think it kind of gets overshadowed because he was the second Indiana guy and I'm in a kind of an awkward position, right? That I'm the one with the podcast, but also I'm, I'm the coach currently of, of one of the better kids in the state, but Isaiah Sturry, totally cements his place as one of the all-time great runners in, in Indiana distance running history. I mean, to be in the top 10 at Foot Locker is, it's not unprecedented, but there ain't a ton of them. Yeah, I mean, what a career, right? I mean, sometimes we get so caught up in win, winning the state and wins and wins and wins. We forget the, the, the resume building that, you know, these are 15, 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids that are, you know, like they, they have huge running careers ahead of them. And, and to, you don't have to win every single meet to, to create a resume that makes you, you know, an elite historically great runner from Indiana. And he has definitely carried on that tradition that let's be honest, 
we've had a, an incredible tradition in the last, what, 15, 20, well, more beyond that too. But when you go trace it back to Nefariah and Christian Wagner's and Aaron Fisher's and, you know, move it forward to the Ben Beaches and the Zack Snyder's and those kinds of guys. I mean, he's definitely in that company for sure. And he only lost one race, I believe, in Indiana in the last two years. And it was the state meet. He got out to the state meet. Yeah. Here's, yeah. let me go through someone on the message board, endurance runner. Uh, I could look up who it actually is, but I guess he doesn't want us to know, so I won't do that. <laughs> uh, here's a here's a comprehensive list according to what he researched as to all of the Indiana boys to finish in the top 10 at Kenny slash Footlocker slash East Bay since 1981, I think was maybe the first year. Jeff Wheeler from Mount, uh, from Mount Vernon. Jason Cassiano from Portage. Andy Begley from Westview, Fasil Bazuna from Ben Davis, Nefariah, Christian Wagner, Drew Shields, Tyler Byrne, Footsome did three different times. He was pretty good. Ben Veach, Cole Hawker, Cole Matisson, and Isaiah Story. I think Aaron Fisher made it one year. I don't think you put him he on He made it. He did not finish in the top ten. Oh, is that top 10? Gotcha. That's top, top 10. Only. Oh, I'm sorry. And I missed, I missed Chris, uh, Chris Walden. Chris Walden from Carmel was fifth his senior year. I missed it. I, I forgot to look down to after. Yeah. So pretty elite company. Yeah. And obviously yeah. as, as the years go by and there's one, there's, I mean, how many more, how many more people live in the United States right now compared to 1980 and how yeah. much more interest is there in youth sports than there was back then? It's, becomes much, much harder to finish in the top 10. Uh, so a, well, and quite, like you said, a career. Now they have 10, you know, two extra kids per region that make the two, which only makes it harder to be in the top 10. Right, yeah, because you could be a little off in the, yeah. in, in, the, in the same sense that it's harder to finish higher up in the state meet, not by a ton, but percentage-wise a little bit, because they don't just take the top 15 from each semi-state. They yeah. take the top 10 individuals from non-advancing teams. So it tends to go deeper into 25th or so. Whereas if this were 2006, 2004, if you had an off day, you might finish 17th, even though you're one of the best guys in the state. Whereas now if you finish 17th, you're still probably going to make it because we're going down to 25th or 30th at each yeah. semi-state. Yep. That makes sense to me. Uh, the other note I had on this was, uh, Sophia Kennedy seventh at at East Bay Nationals, fifth at the state meet, uh, third at at uh, East Bay Midwest. She beat Crit Lily Cridge at the Carmel Showcase in twenty twenty one April of twenty twenty one, and she's had. We'll get into this in a second. She's had a, a few setbacks this fall. She missed three, four meets in a row, three, four weeks in a row of racing. I, Cridge is still the queen of Indiana distance running. But I don't think she's, I, I think when they're both really, really good, I don't think Cridge is all that far ahead of Kennedy. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. I don't know what all that far ahead means. I think there's a clear, there's a clear gap at least today, but I, I don't think Cridge won all of her meets by 30 seconds. I do not think she's, I, I think if, if Sophia Kennedy is healthy and trained and prepared, which I don't think that she was through the tournament. Yeah. I don't think that Cridge is 30 seconds better over 5,000 meters than Sophia Kennedy. Completely I think she's better agree. than her, but I don't think she's that much. better. I completely agree with that. And I think what you're seeing now is, Maybe, I mean, obviously, Sophia has been great before this. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, her track season last year was amazing. But you almost just get the sense that you know, like the, the spring, the, the starting point is now almost for her to, to take off. Um, and, and who knows, become what? I don't know. I mean, she's, she's just going to be a mega star. Her best years are, I mean, Cridges are as well. But you feel like Sophia Kenny maybe is just starting to figure it out right now. And um that she's really somebody to watch, you know, next year and even well into college. She, she has just as good of an upside future as anybody we've seen on the girls' side in, in a long time. 
So Kennedy's seventh on the boys' side. Cole Matisson was was fifth. So so really two, three in the top ten. Kennedy seventh, Sturry eighth, Cole was was fifth, and I. David Woods had an article. So obviously I'm in a, like I said, a kind of a unique position um, because I'm not going to disclose certain things about particular athletes um, on here. But uh, in, in this article that's in the Indy Star, he said essentially that, you know, both Kennedy and Matisse had certain setbacks this year that they're actually kind of similar. Mm-hmm. So, and that, you know, that makes sense that how, how does a boy finish fifth or fourth rather at the state meet and, uh, and then fifth at the East Bay nationals and Kennedy might not have been fifth. I think she was fifth the past two years. I think she might've been third this year. I think I, yeah, I think so. erroneously said fifth earlier, but how did she finish third at the state meet in Indiana and then seventh at, um, at the footlocker nationals. And, and the truth to that is, as David Woods kind of got to in his article, is well these are athletes that probably had some some setbacks well i think there's a lot of answers to that and that's obviously one of them but i think also it shows you what we've been talking about all year how elite indiana is as a state right i mean you might go back and forth like somebody like cole did with isaiah sturry um or uh sophia did with lily cridge and you know you you might not be real close to you know winning that gold medal or whatever it is at the state meet, but you're, you're elite nationally. And when you get, you know, when you're in that, that grouping, some days it's going to be your day and you're going to win. Some days it isn't going to be your day. You're going to be third or fifth or seventh, but you're right in that grouping. And those two kids were, then the third thing, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but what it looked like to me on the brief moments that I watched of the race is both Cole and Sophia ran uh, a particularly aggressive, race plan early on and getting out hard you know I love that you know I love that particularly for juniors at, at national meets like that and it was maybe a little out of character for both of them and um, I mean not way out of character but a little bit and I think maybe when you do that and you have the kind of success that they have it kind of you know it almost builds your confidence as the race is happening and potentially builds your confidence for future racing maybe you can you know, go out a little bit over what you think is over your head and it really isn't. And I, I, I think they both maybe realize that because they were able to hold on to that with an elite field. And part of that probably speaks to the confidence of why well, I've actually had two weeks of uninterrupted training right now yep. that I haven't had, you know, all season. This is what, this is what David Wood said in his Indy Star article. Um, and I know not everybody gets it. Not everybody has a subscription to the Indy Star. Uh, about uh, Cole Matisse, and he said, quote, this is from the David Woods article on IndyStar, he had fall training interrupted by an irritated foot ligament and three illnesses in five weeks. About Sophia Kennedy, and I'm guessing that this is, a, this is from the primary source, right? Because when you're at Foot Locker, after the race, certain media outlets put in a request to talk to whoever, and the kids actually go, I've seen this, the kids go, and they have to check in afterwards and then they, they call whatever their local newspaper and there's an ice cream social uh, downstairs after that. Uh, Most importantly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, she had an Achilles problem, I think is where you were going with that. Yeah, it said Kennedy too had a bumpy fall. Her training was impaired because of Achilles tendon pain. And then it gets into the fact that her father was Bob Kennedy, which I try not to mention because I'm sure she's... Well, she should be, she deserves to be treated as her own unique individual and not. Absolutely. But I will Whenever say. Whenever I sell a pair a, of shoes, I don't want people telling me who my dad is. But what a cool story. You know, father, you know, he ran at Kinney when he was in high school. Right. And was I think, Kinney. was he the champion maybe? I'm sorry? Was he the champion one year? I, I, I think, yeah, I, he, I think so, but I could be wrong on that. But, you know, as a, as a father of a daughter who, who runs a little bit, I mean, how, I can't imagine how cool that would be, you know, to, to be able to, to have that, ex, that unique experience yourself and then have your daughter experience that too. That, that's amazing. So that's the season. Yeah. What a year. A good one. Three in the top 10 at uh, Foot Locker. And uh, we, made, we made the best of it collectively as a community with the, the running lane national championship that Nike was, was canceled again. We hope that, that Nike is able to come back next year. Yeah. Um, 
and you know certainly a we've gotten into this we've gone a lot of different podcasts with the the season which feels so long ago now because it was i mean we're, we're six weeks away at least oh, yeah. from the from the state championship i think it's six weeks and, and one day today uh indiana runner indoor meets are back you excited very much so and i, I i'm hoping that uh we're gonna we're gonna maybe even get more interest than we've ever had because because we didn't really have indoor at all last year and and only part of indoor the previous season. So um, I hope there's a lot of excitement out there. And, and I know we're, we're ready to put on a good, good show, put, put on some good meets. So late, late January in Taylor, they have a really nice facility and they're very, very accommodating for, uh, for any, any different group that wants to come in, especially high school. Yep. And then we've got uh, a later one at Trine in February. And then our, our typical showcase meets are going to be held at Taylor. Again, this is in Upland, Indiana. So it's about, about an hour, I'd say, from the north side of Indianapolis. So it's not, it's just as nice of a location. It's just as centrally located probably as Crawfordsville when all those years yeah. we've had it at Wabash, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good good location. And, and uh, I mean, with how, how successful the cross-country season was for so many kids and so many teams, uh, and then, you know, hopefully that built the excitement in track programs and sprinters, and et cetera. And yeah, I can't wait. And a chance to have, you know, even if your training obviously is pointed to May or June, like chance to just go out, have fun, see what you can do, run in a track yeah. meet. Yep. Get a race in, get, make it a workout. Uh, what are you looking for this spring? Yeah. You know, I, I, I knew you were going to ask that question and I guess my, I, I'm, I'm, a coach by nature so i think that the the most interesting i'm looking forward to at, at the let's say at the state meet kind of level is is coaches having to make some interesting decisions i think on what event some kids are going to run you know could that mean you know a state championship bid for your team if um something like reese at columbus north i mean it's you know we're he won the mile the 1600 last year at the state meet. I mean, but is that, do they have some different questions to decide? He was second, he was second he last might, year. It was the second. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, you know, even, you know, you're Cole for you guys and on the girls side, especially, right. Like if you're, you know, if you're the park tutor coaches, do you just keep, you know, banging heads in the postseason with Lily Cridge and with Sophia in the, in the 32 or do you, you go 1600 instead and a lot of just the decisions that coaches are going to have to make, whether it's to try to get your kid an individual state title or to maybe, you know, maybe park tutor has a chance to win. I don't know. I mean, the team tower be way up there. I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, th those decisions are, are intriguing to me. And I, I, there's a lot, you know, there's a lot, even like Corinna Jane, you know, my gosh, she's unbelievable, <laughs> but you know, where do you go? You know, what if you're coaching up there, at Lowell and, and you, you double you go 1632 just to give your your athlete the best chance to win twice or you, you know, single up I, those things are I just find really intriguing and remember the best 1600 runner yeah just go in yeah. order of events the best 1600 runner the best 800 runner and potentially not yet but potentially the best 3200 runner are all in high school right now oh yeah you mean like the best we've ever had yeah, I mean the the, yeah. the ones that hold and the records. I don't think there's right? any question about that, right? I mean that, that's going to happen this spring as long as Cridge stays healthy, and yeah, I mean the, the depth is just crazy, and I don't I don't know what the, the thing is. A coach you think about it is the trickle down, right? So does that mean more kids who are in the who are in the past maybe they had a, maybe a slight chance to win a state title, so you kept that kid fresh and said, all right, let's go 1600 fresh. Does that kid now go into the four by eight? And the four by eight becomes better than it normally is in a given year. You're like all that stuff is just so intriguing. Right. But you've got to have the depth then to do that on the four right, by eight right, versus exactly. like, you know, Lowell is probably not going to have the other three legs to pair with. And part tutor could be interesting. Right. They've got two of them. Well, and they, they, they made it last year. year. They yeah. made it last year with, they used them both in the regional and then they pulled them for their individual events at the state yeah. meet, but they would need, I mean, part tutor would need at minimum another 220 type leg and then, and then hope to hide their 230, <laughs> but it's not like 230 is slow either. Right. I mean, that's, you're not going to get a ton of those at a, at a smaller school like that. I'll be yeah, in a private like, school. 
all that stuff you're saying, like to me, that is so as you know, as a coach, as a, an observer, it, it's so interesting. And, and I mean, I think there are those decisions on the boys' side a little bit too. You know, like Brabuff, you know, with those guys. You know, I mean, what about them with the four by eight? Are, are those eight hundred type guys? I don't, you know, I don't really know their their skill set, but I just think across the board, there's so many interesting decisions and and so many teams that I think potentially, I'm not gonna say like are going to win I mean, only te- one team can win but i think there's a lot of teams that might look at this year as a year to you might be able to com- sneak out of state champion i mean like look, look what cathedral girls did last year you know i mean yeah you, you know it, that stuff can happen and it's rare and when you get the opportunity to do that you got to jump on it and it's just gonna be interesting to see which coaches do i think from the the difficult part the challenging part from a distance perspective is even when you've got a guy like Reese or Cole or, you know, Isaiah last year, he won't be eligible this year for the spring season. Like if you have a sprint, if you have basically the, the Reese Kilbarger stump of sprinting, that guy's probably good for two, three or four scoring in four events. Yes. You can put him on the four by one. He can run the hundred and the 200 and maybe he can even run the four by four or he can long jump. Right. But in distance running, it's so hard at that level to score in two different events. And we saw that last year. The top three guys in the 1600. Now, granted, this is a 90-degree day. But chances of there being a 90-degree day on June 5th are like 25%. Got to count on it. And the top three boys were also contender, maybe is, is a pretty strong word, considering that they'd already run the 1600 but they certainly could have meddled in their later races and none of the three boys even finished. That's how tough it is to come back and do that. So, yeah. you know, the one in the 800 did, wasn't able to make it to the line because it was 90 degrees and he ran all out and there's nowhere to go, right? Yeah. There's no, unless, unless your school's hosting it and it's not going to be, at a, you know, it was at Ben Davis. It's not going to be at a high school this year. And the two other guys in the 3,200 just dropped out. I mean, it was, it was too much. And so the amount of training and the volume and everything that goes into it, just to be able to double effectively at a meet like that, regardless of the conditions, it's, it's, it's tough. And so you're, you're basing all of your hopes on this distance runner that can score. And, you know, you want a, a boy to score in two different events. And I'm even thinking with Reese, you know, could you go four by eight, 16, eight? You know, how crazy is that? You know, I probably not, but yeah, I know, but I mean, very, like, very right. But I mean, you know, could they, and if he one, ran the one year, a guy eight? did that one year, a guy did that. And, but it was, that was drew shields. And that, that had to be 14, you know, he's almost my age. And that fact, was a week. He, he ran year. against me at the state meet one year. It, it was a lot weaker back then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could, he ran something along the lines of 154 or 155 and he, they finished second in the four by eight. They won the 1600. The 1600 went out in 215. And he closed and won that. And the 800 went out and whatever it went out in. And he ran 154, 155 and closed and won that. I just, if you run 155 this year at the state meet or 154, you're not, you're not going to win. No, no, I, I agree. And I don't think they'll do that. But how, you know, it's just interesting to think, you know, could just Columbus North have the goods to win a four by eight on the boys side with Reese in there. I think, yes. I mean, they've got, they've got Reese and they've got Newell. Yeah. So, you know, could that be plus what Reese and Newell could give them in an individual event, plus the best shot putter in the state. And is this the year that, you know, that he wins the disc and this is stuff that's Rick Sluter, their, their head track coach is, I'm guessing he's thinking about this. Sure. Um, And like, to me, that's what's so intriguing about this season, whether it's that, or if you're talking about, what to do with Kennedy or James or people like that. So from what I've seen, great. and I have, I have a very vested interest in looking into this from what I've seen, the team to beat is probably center Grove. The lot of sprinters, a lot of boys back from last year um, when they had a pretty good team. And then, you know, after that Columbus North is there, you've just got to think about one school has won four of the last six state championships that have been held in track. That's probably another contender this year. <laughs> At least yep. I hope so. Yeah, I think they will be. Uh, it's hard to see, too, to think in cross country, these are all of our contenders. These are all of our teams. We know what people are going to do in the fall because yep. there's only one option. Yeah. But in track, there's a lot of different options. For instance, Gretchen Farley made it 
to the national championship in cross country, but she's not necessarily a distance specialist, right? Lily Cridge is more of a distance running specialist. The yeah. longer the race, the better she's going to be. They had a 5K on the track, and she'd be maybe one of the best in, in the country. Sure. Um, well, she was she finished second, so yeah, she probably is. But we do have two meets that are showcase meets specifically put on dates before teams start their impactful championship meets, before conference meets, before county meets for big counties, for places where that matters. You know, if you're in Bartholomew County, you don't care about the county meet. There's only three schools in the whole county. Um, And that's the Franklin Central Showcase and the Carmel Showcase. I mean, those could be unbelievable this year. Yeah, a lot of fun. Just got to cross your fingers for great weather on those nights. Yeah, and, and... in fact, those meets happen so late that we've both been to the Franklin Central meet where it's been windy all day. Yeah. But once the sun goes down, that kind of negates any of that. It really starts to slow down. And yep. I remember at least one year where there were 30 or 40 mile an hour consistent winds. And by the time we got to the big, the big boy race, the big girl race, like the sun goes down, it ain't all that windy. And I, I yep. wonder... I'm hopeful that even if it's poor weather on those days, now last year we had optimal weather for both of those. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's, we're going to have that every single year, but shouldn't be we too, we shouldn't be too bad, yeah. you know, even if it is windy during the day. And there've been a lot of windy, windy years at, at the Franklin central meet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man. I'm excited hey, for both those. Miscellaneous minute. We, NBA are the bulls back. Ignore the, ignore COVID. Just go yeah, last I was week of say, COVID, not COVID overall, just the outbreak Generally on the speaking, they are back. I don't know if they're like NBA championship caliber, but they're good. There's no I've, doubt. They're, I, they're good. I've heard some people that know things. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I got a, I got a league pass subscription. And uh, some people are like, yeah, I think the Bulls are a legitimate like title contender. You think that's too optimistic? And yeah, I don't think they're big enough. I don't, I don't know if they're deep enough, but they're very good. And it's fun for me being a Bulls fan for them to be good for the first time in a while. Long time. Do you think, uh, you think the Pacers are going to pull the plug or what? I do. You follow yeah, us? I, uh, and I think they should. Uh, they, this is, this is who they are with, with these guys. And it's not, it, it's, it's just not a good combo. And um, I mean, I don't know if they're going to, you know, tear it all the way down, but I, they're going to definitely make it. I don't think you can see. So this is something I think about a decent amount, not as much as I think about where Cole Matisse might finish at the state track meeting and which events, but there's this in, in sports in general, there's this like glorification of rebuilding and tearing yeah. things down. And they'll say about teams, you got to tear it down. Well, tear it down and do what? Yeah. So let's, you know, they trade off all of, all or a lot of their good there was a lot of good players in the Pacers there's no stars right there's no there's no Kevin Durant Giannis LeBron the odds of you of the team ever getting one of those guys is pretty low yeah Uh, and the Pacers have had two of them in the last 20 years um but you tear, tear it down tear it down and do what you can't just trade all of your good players for spare parts and draft picks and so now if the Pacers can trade Sabonis to the Warriors for all three of the Warriors young lottery picks and kind of build up a new team, then yeah, I'm all for that. But just yeah, they're making just a move. Give away all of your players for no reason is it doesn't make any sense. No, and I, I agree with you. And I don't think they will. I don't think you can really in the NBA because all trades have to be equal in dollar values and pretty close to equal. So it's right. hard, harder to yeah, 125%. So but they're, they're making a move. I don't think there's any question that's going to happen before the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, I, you know, who would you rather be? And then you know, we, we can get going because we're already in the skip ahead portion of this. Would you rather be over the last, let's say over the last 10 years, would you rather be the Pacers or the Sixers? There's a right answer to this. <laughs> that's a bizarre question. I mean, there, there's a, essentially the same i mean i i don't i don't know that there's there's no one team they, i'd rather be than the other they're polar opposites and here's no why. i mean in terms of none of either of them have won so i, I well, me, right I, you know so yeah. so but who's won over the last 10 years right over the last 10 years only like three franchises that have won. yeah well but honestly i don't think either of those teams have been close 
So, right, like, exactly. Yeah. So the Sixers do the full rebuild, the full Sam Hinkie process. We're yeah, like, yeah. we're we're not even tearing this house down to the studs. We're like bulldozing the house, and then we're taking all of the ground underneath and burning it and bringing in new ground. And it's going to take forever. The Sixers did that, and they never made it to the conference finals. The Pacers essentially never rebuilt, but they had two years where they really could have won the title. They probably weren't going to win, right? I mean, they they ran into Miami and and um, two years in a row, and even the year that they had the best chance, they would have gotten. They speaking of bulldozed, they would have gotten bulldozed by the Spurs. But like, this is the glorification of rebuilding and the process. And like, if you yeah. if, the Ricky Bobby theory, right? If you ain't first, you're last. And yeah. there's just, there's so much more to sports than did we actually win the title? And if you don't win the title, then you suck. Yeah. And look at the Bucks and look at the Suns. I mean, those teams are, you know, they're not super free agent destinations. Right. So, right. so, and they were, they were the two teams in the finals last year. So sometimes you might only be, you know, one P a Chris Paul away from being that kind of team. And if, who knows who that is for the Pacers and is that guy, somebody they could get for, Miles Turner, maybe. I mean, who knows? I mean, there's no reason to tear it all down. Who would you trade? Would you, if you're the Pacers, you're Kevin Pritchard. First of all, if you're Kevin Pritchard, you're calling me every day. Yeah. Uh, but if you're if you're leading the Pacers, who who are you more likely to trade, Sabonis or Turner? I mean, I guess the answer to that is whoever has more value. Whether we're going to get more. So then Sabonis. From. Huh. So then Sabonis, Sabonis is more value, right? I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, you, it, it, right now, I think Miles Turner is the type of player that could be a, a, a difference to a team winning an NBA championship because he's such a, he's such a skill, you know, specific skill set player. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't think Sabonis is as good as everybody else does. But, um, no, Grant, I don't, I don't Grant think, Moon's got a lot to say to you about that. He's a big. Sabonis I think he's a really good player. Me and Grant Moon, two biggest Sabonis fans. I think he's a really good player. I just don't think he's not. He, you don't. He needs the ball a lot, but you don't win a championship around with him as your your lead guy. I mean, that's been obvious. I mean, right. So I don't. I don't know where you go. Where does he go? What? Do you, where do you trade him to get? You trade him to the Warriors for all three of their lottery picks over the last two years. Right, but then you're not looking at at the. I don't think you're looking at the Pacers being a, a, a title contending team with that trade. You know, no, you got to re if you're the Pacers, you've got to, you're not totally tearing it down the way that, that Philadelphia or Oklahoma city or Houston has done recently. And I mean, you're not, you're not purposely losing games, but like wink, you know, you're, yeah. we're trying, but you're also getting guys out of the G league and like getting them on the court. Um, but I think if you're the Pacers, you're essentially resetting your, your timeline. Well, I mean, if you could trade Sabonis only of that group and get Ben Simmons, you know, somehow in that weird, you know, you know, right. I mean, it's got to be a three team trade in that point, but yeah. Yeah. You know, then, but let's say Sabonis is the only person going out that, you know, you not only, but you know, the, of those major stars for the Pacers, you know, maybe that's the one piece that makes them the bucks. You know, I mean, we don't know that. Yeah. So that's why you don't tear it all down. You gotta, yeah. If you could find a way to package. Right. Sabonis and Lamb send them to the Spurs, send a bunch of guys from the Spurs to the Sixers and end up with, with Ben Simmons with the agreement that like, hey, by the way, when you come here, you're actually going to play because uh, we're paying you $35 million a year. So we're going to ask you to do your job. Uh, yeah, no, I'm all I'm all for that one. I wouldn't trade That's the guy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> He's the guy for the Pacers that I would be going for. I don't know if Ben Simmons wins you an NBA championship, but it makes them interesting. I'd like to see Sabonis run 855 for 3,200 meters. I told you about that one time I saw Rick Smith's running when I was running at Butler on the canal. I think I've told you about that. Well, he was, no, 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 you haven't said this. He was, oh, I haven't told you, you saw him part. jogging on the canal. Like I was doing a run. Canal. Like it was like a Sunday run. I was at Butler. You know, I was on the team and everything. I was doing my run and I like, I'm running. I see this just like the weirdest thing running the opposite direction, coming right at me on the canal. He was running. He was running. Yeah. He was doing a run. He was on the Pacers at that time. Cause they oh used to gosh. practice at Hinkle frequently. Right. And uh, he was just running on the canal. And it was like, it was an interesting thing to see a seven foot four guy. Yeah. Cause he, I mean, he's, he's almost two feet taller. Oh yeah. It was, it was, else running. I, like, I mean, it was noticeable from, you know, you look up and you could see him coming from way, 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 way. 
that I one time running downtown canal, I saw a homeless man wearing a Drew Bledsoe New England Patriots jersey. <laughs> and I'm only like 50% sure that it was the actual Drew Bledsoe. It could have been. Like it, what else is he doing, you know? Yeah. All right, man. Anything else? No, no. Like, you know, the cool thing is that in high school athletics, right? One season ends, the next one starts. We got all the stuff to look forward to. Yeah, we've got we got some stuff. I've got uh, Lindsay Langford from St. Vincent. She's a nutritionist going to come on and uh, probably get uh, one of the uh, sports psychologists, kind of some stuff to tie tie the podcast together, give yeah, people cool. some content overall. And then, you know, before before you know it, our indoor meets will be here. We'll probably do some some stuff around that. And uh, track season's coming. So the Addison Wiley fan club is going to be in full full mm-hmm. force and our ice cream social. It's coming up. All right. They'll be here before you know. it. Yes. All right. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you.